welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. In 1967, a book compiled and edited by T.D. Seymour Bassett was published by the local Stephen Green Press. It was called Outsiders Inside Vermont and featured 30 writers commenting on life in Vermont over a period of more than 350 years. Rudyard Kipling was one of the authors who had writings published in the book. Here is what Bassett wrote about Rudyard Kipling. In his late 20s, Rudyard Kipling spent four winters near Brattleboro, where he wrote two jungle books, Captain's Courageous, Kim, and many short stories, articles, and poems. He also accumulated a store of impressions of the Vermonters among whom he lived. The Kipling section in the book was entitled, Rudyard Kipling, Seasons in Brattleboro, 1892-95. What follows is Bassett's edited text of Kipling's writing about the seasons and people of this region. In the shadow of the woods and under the blown pine needles, clots of snow lay till far into May, but neither the season nor the flowers took any note of them. Followed summer, angry, fidgety, and nervous, with the corn and tobacco to ripen in five short months, the pastures to reclothe, and the fallen leaves to hide away under new carpets. She went away, red-faced and angry to the last, slamming all the doors of the hills behind her, and Autumn, who was a lady, took charge. No pen can describe the toning of the leaves. The hillsides were fire and the roads paved with crimson and gold. Then a wet wind blew and ruined all the uniforms till nothing remained but pencil shading of bare boughs. The other season stopped a while. Autumn was gone, winter was not. We had time dealt to us. More clear, fresh time. Grace days to enjoy. The white wooden farmhouses were banked round to feet deep with dried leaves or earth, and the choppers went out to get ready next year's store of wood. Men who are of one blood with sheep have followed their friends and the railway along the river valleys where the towns are. Across the hills, inhabitants are few, and outside their state, little known. They withdraw from society in November if they live on the uplands, coming down in May as the snow gives leave. Not much more than a generation ago, these farms made their own clothes, soap, and candles, and killed their own meat thrice a year, beef, veal, and pig, and sat still between times. Now they buy shop-made clothes, patent soaps, and kerosene, the huge red and gilt biographies of presidents, and the 20-pound family Bible, with illuminated marriage registers, mourning cards, baptismal certificates, and hundreds of genuine steel engravings. Now, in the big silence of the snow is born, perhaps not a little of the New England conscience which her children write about. There is much time to think, and thinking is a highly dangerous business. Conscience, fear, undigested reading, and, it may be, not too well-cooked food have full swing. A man, and more particularly a woman, can easily hear strange voices, the word of the Lord rolling between the dead hills, may see visions and dream dreams, get revelations in an outpouring of the Spirit, and end lamentably enough in those big houses by the Connecticut River, which have been tenderly christened the Retreat. Hate breeds as well as religion, the deep and striking hate between neighbors that is born of a hundred little things added up, brooded over and hatched by the stove when two or three talk together in the long evenings. It would be very interesting to get the statistics of revivals and murders and find out how many of them have been committed in the spring.
But for any undistracted people, winter is one long delight of the eye. In other lands, one knows the snow as a nuisance that comes and go, and is sorely manhandled and messed at the last. Here it lies longer on the ground than any crop. From November to April sometimes, and for three months, life goes on at the tune of sleigh bells, which are not the southern visitor once hinted ostentation, but safeguards. The man who drives without them is not loved. The snow is a fateful barometer, foretelling good slaying or stark confinement to barracks. It is all the manure the stony pastures receive. It cloaks the ground and prevents the frost bursting pipes. On the other side, it can rise up in the night and bid the people sit still as the Egyptians. It can stop males, wipe out all timetables, extinguish the lamps of 20 towns, and kill man within sight of his doorstep or hearing of his cattle unfed. No one who has been through even so modified a blizzard as New England can produce talks lightly of the snow. Winter that is winter in earnest does not allow cattle and horses to play about the fields. So everything comes home. And since no share can break ground to any profit for some five months, there would seem to be very little to do. As a matter of fact, country interests at all seasons are extensive and peculiar, and the day is not long enough for them when you take out that time which a self-respecting man needs to turn himself round in. An occasional visitor from the cities or the plains comes up panting to do things. He is set down to listen to the normal beat of his own heart, a sound that very few men have heard. In a few days, when the lather of impatience has dried off, he ceases to talk of getting there, or being left. He does not desire to accomplish matters right away, nor does he look at his watch from force of habit, but keeps it where it should be, in his stomach. At last, he goes back to the beleaguered city, unwillingly, partially civilized, soon to be re-savaged by the clash of a thousand wars whose echo does not reach here. This week, we would like to thank Andrew, Logan, Seamus, Ethan, Dylan, David, Charlie, Isabella, and Anna for reading This Week in Bradbury History. My oh. fault. My fault. <laughs> Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.